And floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call because we're here to help you take on your next home improvement project. And given the fact that it's spring, hooray, that project might be outside. Maybe you're thinking about doing a deck, doing a patio, doing some landscaping, maybe building a fancy pergola, maybe updating your driveway, or maybe it's inside. You know, you want to refresh that space. Lots of kitchens happen this time of year. Lots of bathroom projects, lots of flooring projects. Whatever's on your to-do list, we'd love to help you get it done, get you over a hump if there's a question or a problem that you're thinking about or you've run into, or just give you some advice as to whether you can do it yourself or you should hire a pro. All great things to talk about. Help yourself first, though, by picking up the phone and calling us. We're here for you at 1-888-MONEYPIT. And coming up on today's show, uh, do you remember the days when everyone used to sit outside, Leslie, and chat with neighbors and enjoy a nice cold lemonade, maybe on a rocker or a porch swing? (laughs) Or the stoop. Come on. Yeah, we're stoop. We're opposed to stoop hangs. That's true. But you do need a porch or some structure to do that. The good news is that those porches are now making a really big comeback. You know, for a long time, we were barely constructing anything to help us get into the house. And now full-size porches are back. We're going to talk about that trend in just a bit. Oh, gosh. And they make a house look so pretty. And when you have one, you will be on your porch all the time. Also ahead this hour, did you know that just five feet below the surface of your home, the temperature of the earth is warm enough to provide you with heating in the winter? Well, we're going to highlight this cutting-edge geothermal technology that can harness the earth's warm temperatures to safely and reliably heat your home without relying on those messy fuels like oil or propane. Plus, if your family's like most, you probably are using the garage as much as your front door to get in and out of your house and keep the home secure. But if your door is old and worn, it might not only be unsafe, it could also be providing some easy access for intruders when you're away. Now, replacing the door, it's not do-it-yourself project. It's best done by a pro. So we're going to tell you what you need to know in today's pro project just ahead. But first, we want to hear from you. Give us a call now with your decor remodeling project, repair, fix-up question right here to 888 Money Pit. You're going to get the answer to whatever it is you are working on. Plus, we're giving away a great product from GE Lighting. It's the C by GE Smart Switch, which can make any bulb in your house that you've already got smart. You're also going to get a two-pack of the vintage-style LED bulbs. And together, this prize package is worth 65 bucks. Would you like it? Well, you got to work for it by picking up the phone and calling us right now at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Kyle in Iowa needs some help installing some trim. Tell us what you're working on. We just put in some new laminate wood floors uh, a couple weeks ago, and we decided to rip out all the old, uh, the you know, the the construction trim that comes with the, the newer homes. and Baseboard molding? Yeah, the baseboard molding. And we've decided to upgrade to, I think it's about a five and a quarter inch tall, almost half inch thick baseboard, uh, okay. kind of up, upgrade the look around the house. And I'm just having a hard time. Uh, I'm using my buddy's miter saw, and it's not tall enough to do a vertical cut for my outside corners. And every time I lay it horizontally and try to 
you know, tilt the, the miter saw to cut it, there, there's no real clamping mechanism on it to hold the boards in place. And every time I, I push the miter saw into it, it moves it just slight enough to where my, my angles for when I try to do a scarfing or an outside corner, uh, it just kind of pushes my angles off on it just a little bit, and it's making the process harder. Well, let me ask you this. When you're, when you're making your, your baseboard cuts for an inside corner, are you mitering it? Uh, for the inside corner, I'm doing a cope. Oh, good. Okay, that's what I was concerned about. And the, the coping turns out to be easier than the, the outside corners for me. So Now, actually, when you do the outside corner, the only part of the miter that's got to be perfect is the top edge of that board. As long as you have a straight line, if you end up taking up a little bit too much wood on the inside of that cut, you no one's ever going to see that. In fact, many times when I'm doing that type of a corner, I'll sometimes cope out the back of the miter cut, take an addition, a little bit extra meat out of that so that it kind of gets out of the way and I can pull it together really nicely, tightly at the corner. As long as I have a crisp line that pulls together on the corner, I'm happy with that. Uh, I understand you've got challenges with your tools. I'm not going to be able to give you a solution because you don't have the right tools. What you really need is a compound miter saw that's sort of half miter saw, half radial arm saw, and that will give you the exact capabilities that you're looking for. But to do this by hand with a regular hand miter box is just going to be a challenge. So, so it would be easier maybe try to find someone to borrow a, a, so. a compound one from? I think so. Yeah, yeah, you, you'll you'll be very happy because it sounds like you've got the skills. If you know how to cope a joint, then you've got the skills. And for those that have no idea what we're talking about, when you put up baseboard molding or any kind of molding or even crown molding in a house, you don't cut a 45-degree angle much like you would for a picture frame. You actually put one piece in whole and square to the wall, and the other piece... You cut that 45 as if it was going to be a miter, but you take a coping saw and cut out the back of all of that wood, except for that crisp line that's on the front of the angle of the miter. When you push that together, you get what appears to be a perfect mitered cut, but it's actually not. It's actually a butt joint, but it looks like a miter, and it's the best way to, to work with trim because it uh, allows you to uh, work with a house that's not quite straight because none of them are. And the other trick is I like to cut those boards just a little bit longer than what you need because then it puts additional pressure on that joint and brings it together nice and tightly. So I think you're on the right road. You just need to get some better tools to help you get there, okay? Okay. Thank you, guys. Good luck, Kyle. Gwen in Wyoming, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Well, we're uh, working on a kitchen remodel, and I'm looking at sinks. Right now we have a stainless steel sink that has three compartments in it, and it just doesn't seem to hold the water hot for very long. And I was wondering, are different sinks more insulated, or how could we insulate a sink? Well, sinks are generally not insulated. Right. What should be insulated is the wall behind the sink. And if the wall behind the sink is not insulated, then the cabinet gets that much colder. And then, of course, the water doesn't stay, doesn't stay uh, warm in the sink uh, very long. It's an interesting question, though, Gwen. And, and I'm thinking about how could you possibly insulate a sink? I mean, one idea comes to mind is to spray the whole thing with expandable foam insulation because it would be under the cabinet. And, you know, once you got it done, it would be kind of a messy job. But once it was done, you'd be finished, except that you would want to make sure you keep it away from all the plumbing connections because eventually you're going to want to replace the, the faucet and you don't want to have to cut through all that mess. 
Uh, you know, or you could just wrap it with uh, some other type of insulation, one that's perhaps encapsulated, like a bat insulation. Um, but I've never actually had anyone ask me how to try to keep a sink warmer, but I see why it's important to you because it would make sense uh, as you're doing the dishes to try to keep that water as warm as, as possible. But I would first want you to concentrate on making sure the wall underneath there is properly insulated. That makes sense. So when we pull it all out and we'll double check to make sure that wall has good insulation. Yeah, that might be part of your problem. And if you get it warmed up, uh, insulated and warmed up, you may not have to deal with trying to insulate a sink. Okay. Well, great. Thank you. You're welcome, Gwen. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Money Pit is presented by homeadvisor.com. Never worry about overpaying for a job. Use the HomeAdvisor True Cost Guide to see what others have paid for a similar project, all for free at homeadvisor.com. Still ahead, are you longing for the days of a past era when we all sat outside and chatted with friends and neighbors and enjoyed a nice, cool drink and a rocker on a porch? Well, you might get another chance because porches are making a big comeback. We'll have those details next. You live in a body pit. Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call in your question right now to 1-888-MONEY-PIT, presented by HomeAdvisor, where it's easy to find top-rated local home improvement pros for any home project. Just go to HomeAdvisor.com. And hey, if you do reach out today to MoneyPit.com, you've got a chance to win today's featured product. We've got up for grabs this hour, the C by GE Smart Switch. Now it's worth 50 bucks, along with a two-pack of vintage-style LED bulbs worth $16. Now the C by GE Smart Switches from GE Lighting can make any bulb that you've already got in your house smart. And I'm talking about any type of bulb, LED, CFL, halogen, incandescent, and you don't need a hub, you don't need any additional hardware, wiring. It's simply the switch that's going to let you turn that bulb on and off or dim just with the sound of your voice, an app, movement, touch, whatever, that bulb is going to function for you. And if you already have the C by GE smart bulbs, here's the coolest part. You can actually operate that switch, well, that bulb, even if the switch is off right from the app. The C by GE smart switch, including a two-pack of those vintage-style LED bulbs, which I love, by the way. They're just gorgeous. They're going out to one listener drawn at random. The package is worth about 65 bucks. So if you'd like to win it, pick up the phone. Give us a call right now with your decor or home improvement or remodeling question at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Carl in Arkansas is on the line with a thermostat question. How can we help you? I bought an older house, and you know, the thermostat that's in it now for the heating and air conditioner is an old mercury switch. And what I've ha- what, I, what I bought is a Honeywell five two switch programmer for five weekdays and a two weekend days. And what I'm wanting to know is, can I? Is that something I can change out myself, or is that something I need to hire an electrician to come do? The package says easy to easy to install, but I've looked it over and it doesn't look like it's that easy to me. <laughs> well, look, if if you're uncomfortable with it. I would not hire an electrician. What kind of heat do you have? Is it gas, oil? What is it? It's electric. Oh, it's electric heat. What kind of furnace do you have? A uh, train. Is this a heat pump? No, no, no. It's not a heat pump. It's a, I, That's one thing I didn't want was a heat pump. It's a straight electric furnace? 
Right, straight electric furnace, and it has an outside unit, which is also a train. Uh oh, wait, wait a minute. Listen to me. If you tell me you have an outside com- condensing unit that works with this, you've got a heat pump. You've got the compressor outside and then the furnace inside. Now, a heat pump is a combination heat pump electric furnace. That's the way they're designed to work. And the reason that that's important is because the thermostat that you chose, and I don't know if this is the case or not, but it has to be rated for a heat pump because the way heat pumps work is when you set your heat, let's say you set your heat at 68 degrees, it starts getting cold outside, right? The, then inside the house, it falls to 67. The heat pump comes on. Still cold. Falls to 66. Heat pump stays on. Still cold. Falls to 65. Now, it's a more than two-degree split between what it was set at and and what it is. The heat pump says, I can't keep up with this. I'm going to bring on my friend, the electric furnace. So now the electric furnace coils kick on and then bring the house up to temperature. But by you not having the right thermostat... What can happen is you can run more of the electric furnace and less of the heat pump, which will which will significantly increase your electric bill. So the thermostat you choose has got to be designed for a heat pump. So I would say your first thing to do is to confirm. I don't know if you have an HVAC contractor that you work with, but but get that system serviced. I mean, all these compressors have to be serviced once a year. If you haven't done it, get it serviced. Get the refrigerant checked out. While that guy's in the house, have him install a heat pump rated thermostat. Um, because you're obviously uncomfortable with it, and we don't want you to have all those wires apart and, and just and then just have a problem where you got no heat or no air. So I wouldn't do it myself because you're uncomfortable with it, and when in doubt, don't do it. But make sure you use the right thermostat. Otherwise, uh, you may drive up those costs unexpectedly, okay? Okay, well, I appreciate it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. You know, even if you can do it yourself, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should do it yourself. And just like Carl said, if he read the instructions and it still seems confusing to him, then don't do it. You know, I mean, if you're not comfortable with it, and especially with something like your furnace, where if you hook up the wires wrong, like you're probably not going to break it, but you're not going to have heat. And that could be very unpleasant. Well, Leslie, do you remember, uh, you grew up in, in Garden City, and, and I grew up in a seashore town in New Jersey. You remember that all the houses had beautiful porches, people sat outside, they enjoyed a cool drink, they talked with their friends and their neighbors, and that seems to have gone bye-bye in the last couple of decades in terms of architectural style. But the good news is that those porches are coming back, and they're getting more popular now than ever before. Yeah, I mean, they really are making a huge comeback, especially in new construction. And if they only make you think of the old days, think again New porches, guys, are being equipped with radiant heating panels in the floor, glare-proof mesh instead of traditional screens, and so many other features that not only make them comfortable in the spring and summer, but fantastic for year-round use. Yeah, and if you're not building a new home anytime soon and you want to get in on the trend, you could think about screening in an existing deck. That's a great way to get that much-needed extra space or to just extend your day-to-day living outdoors. And once you do, you can think about a variety of weatherproof features that allow for televisions and couches and other sort of unexpected touches on that same porch. Mm -hmm. And you know what, guys? Extra seating is probably a good call because porches are fantastic for introducing you to neighbors that you might not have met otherwise. But before you invite anyone up, make sure that that porch is structurally sound, weatherproofed, and ready for its revival. We've got more tips on repairing everything from porch doors to floors and railings at moneypit.com. Just log on and search porch repair. 
Nadine in Iowa has an interesting question. Your countertop has gotten noisy. Tell us what's going on. Uh, Yes, it does. Uh, We had it installed, I would say, between three and five years ago. And right after we had this Corian counter installed, we started getting very sharp, loud bangs occasionally. And I mean, like somebody just shot at the house bangs. And it has been going on since we had it installed to varying degrees louder sometimes than others, but they've been out to check and can't figure it out. And, you know, I don't, It the only unusual thing that happened when they put it in was that one corner didn't want to go down, so the guy had to put his full weight on it to push it down and finally make it go go down. And my feeling is oh, something must be bound in there that every once in a while builds up enough energy to really snap. Well, that's certainly an unusual situation because countertops aren't known for their noise. You know, okay. we, get, we get squeaky floor questions. We get uh, banging pipe questions. I don't think we've ever gotten a loud countertop question. <laughs> well, I, I doubt that it's the countertop. My, I, my feeling is something might be bound in there, you know, having been caused by having the countertop put on. Well, you might be correct. And what could be happening is that you could have expansion and contraction going on either with the walls or even with the plumbing, you know, um, especially with the, with the water being right there. When uh, a pipe heats up, it tends to expand. And if it's attached to the framing uh, very, very tightly, it will rub across that framing, and it could make a, a creaking sound or a banging sound. Okay. And and I've heard that before in bathrooms and also in kitchens. Okay. The other thought is that if the countertop is bound, as you say, against part of the frame of the house and you're getting expansion and contraction, that could be the source of the sound. Although I tend to think that even though it's annoying, it probably isn't isn't really very damaging if it's one or the other of those things. No, I don't think it is damaging at all. It's just that when you have guests and their eyes get wide and they start to go for the floor, you you think maybe, I mean, it is quite loud when it does it. So you think it could possibly be plumbing. It could very well be because, you know, plumbing uh, really carries the sound. And especially if you're running a dishwasher and the hot water comes on, that could cause a noise. However, we've kind of checked that out, you know, what's on, what's running, and all of that, and that doesn't seem to come into play. What what would your suggestion be as to sleuthing this problem out? Well, I guess I would have to be sitting there staring at it, thinking about it for a long time. But um, reinstalling the countertop would probably be the best solution, although it's a boatload of work and you could potentially damage the countertop in the process. If they had to really squeeze it in, I suspect that something is a little bit too tight in its intention and it's really not designed to be pulled out. All right. Thanks so much. Up next, did you know that just five feet below the surface of your home, the temperature of the earth is warm enough to provide you with heating in the winter? We're going to highlight a cutting-edge geothermal technology that can harness the Earth's warm temperature to safely and reliably heat your home without relying on messy fuels like oil or propane. Where home 
solutions live. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, in many parts of the country, we've just wrapped up another heating season. And for those especially in the Northeast, that means you're left with a dirty, smelly, oil-fired, or propane heating system that needs another cleaning. Well, if you're ready for a more affordable, cleaner, and more reliable solution, geothermal may be just the solution. Dandelion Energy is making home geothermal installations affordable. And with us to talk about that technology and how it can work for you is Kathy Hanoon, Dandelion's CEO. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, hey, I see you've got a pretty strong history in uh, helping find ways to make our world a bit greener. I was interested to uh, to see that you led a team that created technology to extract carbon dioxide from seawater to create carbon neutral fuel. That is a very cool history. Thank you. It was a very fun project to work on. And now you're helping to do that with heating systems. You guys are launching a geothermal system by Dandelion Energy that is very, very efficient. For those that are not familiar with how geothermal systems work and how they may be different from a fossil fuel systems, can you give us kind of an overview? So geothermal systems make use of the fact that there's a lot of low temperature thermal energy that's just constantly right beneath the Earth's surface. Okay. And this technology lets you tap into that energy. So in the winter, you can actually pump heat from the earth into your house to warm it to whatever temperature you want. And then in the summer, it works in reverse. So you can actually pump heat from your house into the earth cooling your house. Now, Kathy, I just got back on a trip from Iceland and there everything is geothermal heat and there is so much heat and hot water and it's wonderful because there's an endless supply. But here in the continental United States, that's not the case. So how is it sort of different in what we're reaching for underground to provide this heat, heat source, I guess? Yeah, we're not talking about like molten volcanic heat here in the States, but I guess it is a constant source of energy that's warmer than the atmosphere. It is, and it's a great um, distinction because I think a lot of people think of volcanoes when they hear the word geothermal, and, you know, it might be reassuring for people to know that, no, we're not going down to the molten core of the Earth to provide heating for your home. It's actually a different type of geothermal energy, so whereas... Um, electric geothermal requires really, really hot temperatures under deep underground. This type of geothermal heating and cooling, it's much lower temperature, much shallower, and you're just harnessing that heat directly for heating and cooling in the house, so you're not making electricity with it. We're talking to Kathy Hanoon. She's the chief executive officer for Dandelion Energy about the geothermal opportunities that lie just beneath the surface of our earth to heat and cool our homes. And Kathy, I want to ask you about your company. You actually were spun out of Google's X Lab. Now, Google's X Lab is an organization that is responsible for a lot of innovation. How did that happen? Really, the insight that started Dandelion was, you know, we go through a lot as a society to heat our homes today. You think about how we're, you know, drilling for oil somewhere in the world. That oil has to be refined. Then it has to be shipped. Then it has to be delivered in a truck to an oil tank in a homeowner's basement. And then that homeowner uses a furnace to burn that oil for heat. When every home is already sitting on top of an essentially infinite reservoir of renewable thermal energy that they could just tap into using geothermal. And the reason that hasn't happened in the past is because geothermal has been a luxury product. So it's very popular among the ultra wealthy, but it just hasn't been affordable 
to the typical homeowner. And so Google X really focuses on how do we use technology to to create products that could really change society in a positive way. And being able to um, give every homeowner the opportunity to save money and use a renewable resource that they already own in their yard instead of paying for sort of like dirty, smelly oil every year seemed like one of those opportunities. And so we really have invested in creating the technologies to make these systems much easier to install and much more affordable. And this truly is for every part of every place in this United States. I mean, is there any criteria as to where your house is located, what type of ground you're on, the ability to go to a certain depth? How do you know if this even works for your house? You know, almost every home in the United States can do geothermal, but the homes that it makes the most sense for are ones that are in places that get very cold in the winter and also have a relatively warm summer. So that's why Dandelion has started in the Northeast, because that's certainly the case here. And on top of that, a lot of homeowners, millions in the Northeast, are purchasing really expensive heating fuels. The more money you spend on heating today, the more you have to you could save if you switched to geothermal. So the financial um, consideration is just really, really great in the Northeast, but it's also very strong in the Midwest and other parts of the country that have cold winters and warm summers. Let's talk about that that finance end of it. What's the typical return on investment? I mean, how much more efficient is geothermal compared to these fossil fuel systems like propane and oil, and and how long? Uh, would you expect the uh, the reinvestment to take? What's the what is that return? Is it something that happens uh, you know within a decade? Yeah, it is. So I'll just give you a quick example of um, one of our customers here in New York named Tiffany. She was using fuel oil before she switched to geothermal, and she was spending about three thousand dollars a year on fuel oil. Um, now. Keep in mind that oil prices are not at their peak right now. Right. So you could imagine that who knows what will happen with the price of oil over the next decade, but you know, it could go way up from that. It could potentially go down from that, but history suggests that probably it might go there will be some years that she's spending much more than three thousand. Anyway, today she's spending about three thousand dollars. Once she gets geothermal installed, she'll be spending about seven hundred dollars total on electricity to run that system. She's coming out ahead about $2,300 a year. And um, in her case, she knew that she had to replace her furnace anyway within the next five years. It was getting towards the end of its life. And now she'll have this brand new geothermal system that does heating and air conditioning. She won't have to spend $15,000 on a new furnace and installation. You know, we charge about 18000 after tax credit for the system. So her payback is very strong. Kathy Hoonan is the CEO of Dandelion Energy. Kathy, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. If you'd like to learn more about geothermal and see if your home qualifies, head on over to their website at dandelionenergy.com slash money pit. That's dandelionenergy.com forward slash money pit. Thanks again, Kathy. Thank you for having me. Well, if your family is like most, you depend on the garage as the real front door to your house for reliable access as well as protection. But if your door is old and worn, not only is it unsafe, it could be providing an easy entry for intruders when you're away. We've got tips on what to look for in a new garage door when you hire a pro to get that job done. In today's pro project, 
presented by HomeAdvisor.com after this. You live in a body pit. Money Pit is presented by HomeAdvisor.com. Whether it's minor repairs or major remodels, leave it to HomeAdvisor to do the work. Check out HomeAdvisor.com. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your spring how-to question at 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Presented by HomeAdvisor. You can get instantly matched with top-rated pros for any home project and book appointments online all for free. And hey, if you do reach out, you're going to get a chance to win today's featured product, which is the C by GE Smart Switch worth $49.99, along with a two-pack of vintage-style LED bulbs worth $15.98. It's a fantastic product that makes every single bulb in your home smart without any need for an additional hub or hardware. So give us a call now for your chance to win. Going out to one call or drawn at random, give us a call right now at one eight 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 money pit Don in Missouri is on the line with a porch question. What can we do for you today? I have a four post that has an exposed top. Okay. And the, the stair railing is fastened to it. Okay. It's got a bevel top on it. Like that's what they put on most of them. It's cleated lumber. And there is a crack that goes from, I'm going to say, a quarter, maybe three-eighths. And I don't know how deep it is, but it's fairly deep. And I, I want to seal the top of it, or seal it so that water doesn't get in there, freeze, and expand the crack. Now, Don, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you want to paint this porch railing, or is it painted now or, or not? No, we do not want to paint it. And the reason I'm asking you these questions is because I'm going to tell you what to fill that crack with. But the problem is, you know, some of the materials that you use to fill the crack are not going to be the color of treated lumber. They're going to stand out and maybe look worse than the crack <laughs> looks right now. So I'm trying to figure out what how you'd like this to look when you're all done. Well, just the, the main thing is to keep water from running in there and freezing, expanding. All right, so if you're not so concerned about the look, then what I would do is I would use an epoxy patching compound. Uh, you want to use a wood epoxy patching compound. And the reason I say that is because that has the ability to really stand up to the weather and bind uh, to that wood material. You're going to apply it with a putty knife, and you're going to press it into that crack and then let it dry and sand over the surface to try to get the excess off. Uh, that's the best material to use for that particular situation. Don, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, hey, if your family is like ours, you probably depend on the garage as your real front door. It gives you that reliable access as well as protection and security. But if that door is old and worn, it might not only be unsafe, it could also be providing easy access for intruders when you're away. We're going to have some tips on what to look for in a new garage door when you hire a pro to get it done in today's pro project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. I mean, first of all, the garage door designs of today are amazing. You used to have to choose from heavy wood doors that needed a lot of upkeep to metal doors that were just cold and prone to rust. Well, today there's a wide variety of composite and fiberglass doors that are available that are going to look amazingly like wood but need virtually no care at all. Plus, the doors are better insulated and can keep those drafts out of your garage, which is especially nice if that's a space that you like to work in. 
Yeah, but in addition to better doors, we also now have much better door openers. The door openers that you can get today are fully integrated with smart home technology. That's going to let you open and close them from your phone. And that's pretty cool because that means you can do it from anywhere. I mean, if you've ever driven away from your house and wondered if you left your door open, these days you can just whip out your phone and check. And there's usually an alert that says, hey, you left the door open and you can go ahead and shut it or you can, you know, let in somebody that has to get into the house. Maybe the kids forgot the key. In my case, my neighbor's picking up some tool they want to borrow. and I'm just hoping to get it back. I can let them into the garage even if I'm not there. So definitely a great time to upgrade that door. The openers are also a lot safer than they were years ago with improved auto reverse mechanisms that can prevent injury. And they also, many have battery backups and that can be really super handy even in the event of a power failure. And that is today's Pro Project presented by HomeAdvisor.com. With HomeAdvisor, you can get matched with top-rated home service pros in your area, read verified reviews, and book appointments online all for free. No matter the type of job, HomeAdvisor makes it fast and easy to hire the best local pros. Up next, don't pack away those winter clothes just yet. We've got advice on a DIY project that will help protect all of your off-season clothing when they're not in use when the Money Pit continues. Live in a money pit. Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT, presented by Home Advisor, the fast and easy way to find the right pro for any kind of home project, whether it's a small repair or a major remodel. You can also post your question at moneypit.com or to any of our social media channels. Phil did just that. And Phil says, can I use hardwood planks in my basement? We have extended the gutters and added a French drain, which empties into two different sump pumps. So water is not a problem. It's funny he says that, Leslie. He already knows the answer. (laughs) If he's filling up two sump pumps, I'd say water is a problem, Phil, because you probably didn't do the drainage right outside. You shouldn't be getting water in those sump pumps if the gutters are all clean and extended. But to your original question, even if you had a perfectly dry basement, which this isn't, I would never use hardwood because the humidity down there is so high that hardwood's going to swell, it's going to buckle, and it's going to be completely ruined. Especially now, though, because you have so many other amazing choices of flooring that looks identical to hardwood, including real hardwood in the form of engineered hardwood, which is if you can think of like, think of a plywood styled board, and and only I say plywood not because it's a big sheet, because it's a regular hardwood board, but it's made of layers, right? And it's cross-laminated, so that becomes dimensionally stable. And what else, Leslie? Vinyl, laminate, engineered vinyl plank, these all look like real hardwood these days. I mean, there's really so many options. I personally, I know it's not the warmest of options, but I love a ceramic tile that looks like a wood plank also, which is a great option for a below-grade space. There's so many things that you can do, and don't forget, even with a laminate or a vinyl that looks like hardwood, add an area rug and somehow it becomes even more convincing, and that is the perfect amount of carpeting that you can add to a below-grade space Exactly, is an area rug. So, I mean, there's so many things that you can do, Phil, that will make that space feel homey and warm and finished and give you that feeling without actual hardwood. Well, digging out your shorts and your swimsuits and your light jackets from storage is a great way to start your spring, but it can turn into a kind of a big disappointment if you find they've been ravaged by insects or moths. Leslie's got a timeless solution that you can build yourself to deal with that in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? 
That's right. You know, for centuries, cedar has been used to keep bugs or moths from turning your wardrobe into their seasonal buffet. Now, cedar is not only going to repel those pests, but it can also resist mildew, which means that turning a standard closet into a cedar closet will keep your belongings safe for years to come. Now, you can add as much or as little cedar as you want to the walls of an existing space, but it's really most effective if you line that space in full, including the ceiling, the floor, the back of the door, the whole jam. So to start, you want to make sure you go with Eastern Red Cedar. It's the type that gives off a scent that keeps the moths away. You can either nail the tongue and groove cedar to the studs, attach it using construction adhesive, or do a combination of both. Now, you want to use a stud finder to find and mark the studs in the space and begin at the back wall. If the baseboard or the floor in the space is sloped, you're going to need to scribe that first cedar board to that slope so that board stay on top of it will stay level. Then go ahead and nail through the tongue of the wood at each stud location. Make sure you angle those fasteners about 45 degrees down to keep keep them from getting in the way of the next board. And don't forget to check that the boards remain level as you go. And once you've got that back wall covered, you can install the cedar on the side walls, allowing the back edge of the boards to cover the cut ends at the corners. Now, you do have to sand that cedar lightly once a year or so. That's just to rejuvenate and bring back that natural aroma. And don't forget, it's the aroma of the cedar that keeps all of those pests away. So that is something you do have to do. So add that to your seasonal routine as you're swapping out all those clothes. Trust me, you will not be grabbing cashmere sweaters in the fall, winter again with holes in them. That is the worst. Invest in your clothes, invest in your storage, and make sure you keep those bugs away. Great advice. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement show and podcast hey if your bathroom could use a pick-me-up one of the reasons is probably dirty grout it can really bring that entire space down coming up on the next edition of the program we will tell you how to restore it to sparkling clean condition i'm tom kreitler and i'm leslie segretti remember you can do it yourself but you don't have to do it alone 